This is episode 59 with ultra marathon runner, author, and badass, Myrna the Myrnavator Valerio. Welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living, an adventure podcast presented by REI Co-op, the brand who helps get you outside through gear, classes, and adventures. We talk to experts who have taken a wild idea and made it a reality so you can too. From people who have climbed the tallest peaks, started thriving businesses, and even broken records, some of the wildest ideas can lead to the most rewarding adventures. I'm your host, Shelby Stanger, and I hope you enjoy this show. You may have seen Myrna the Myrnavator Valerio. Her video with REI had millions of views on Facebook. It starts with her reading an angry letter from a guy who calls her a fraud, a liar. He says she's not only faking running ultra marathons, but she's making a bad name for runners because she's overweight and she doesn't look like a runner. He says more, but you can watch the video. Let me tell you, this girl can not only run, but she's a renaissance woman and a true force of nature. As a teacher, coach, diversity leader, trained opera singer, mom, and a wife, a few years ago when Myrna started doing ultra marathons and running longer distances, she started this site, Fat Girl Running. There weren't a lot of people who looked like her on the trail, and she wanted to get more people outside running. In 2015, the Wall Street Journal found her blog. They did a story on it. It was picked up by Runner's World Magazine, then NBC Nightly News, CNN, so many more. REI did this amazing video that went totally viral last year, and the rest is history. She recently wrote a book about her story, a beautiful work in progress. She's sponsored by big brands, and now she adds the titles author, brand ambassador, and I'm calling her a total badass to her name. So on this episode, we talk about everything from diving into the uncomfortable, dealing with the haters, how she's created so many opportunities for herself and how you can too, how you can be a runner no matter what your size or shape or background, and so much more. I love this conversation. Myrna is awesome. Enjoy the show. All right, we have on Myrna Valerio, the Myrnavator. Welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living. I'm so excited to have you on. Well, thank you for having me on your show. Well, so you're from a family where in your book, which by the way, I finished last night, A Beautiful Work in Progress by Myrna Valerio. Everyone should read this book. It's so good. I read this great line where you said, you know, you're from a family where no one exercised for fun. And that just made me laugh. So how did you get the wild idea to get into running and then to become an ultra marathon runner? And I know a lot of people know your story, but some, some don't. So maybe just give us the cliff notes version of that. I know you're a teacher, sure. but yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I tend to be long winded, so I will try to cut it short. But well, first let me say that uh, in terms of my family, not uh, doing any sort of physical fitness thing for fun. Um, it mostly was because I, we, I grew up poor, like between toggling between poor and working class. And, and it was not a priority. Like the priorities were getting us fed and having someplace to live and, and then sending us to school and making sure that we had closer school. So those were the, those were the absolute priorities. And also I was in a neighborhood and, and in a, a larger culture where that kind of thing was secondary to everything else. So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's the sort of 
situation I came from, but I had a chance to attend boarding school for high school. And it was at boarding school, the very first day that I was there, and was, the school's called the Master School, and it's up in Westchester County, New York. And I, the very first day I decided that I wanted to try out for the field hockey team. And because I'd never been part of a team, and, you know, that was another expense that we would have incurred if I had tried to do that. Um, back home. And so I had this opportunity to be on the team. And so I was like, I really, really want to play something. And field hockey looked like those girls were out there. They were chatting. They were, <laughs> they were having fun. I was like, I want to do that. Because the soccer people looked like they were being traumatized by the coach. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I said, I'm going to do field hockey, even though I didn't know anything about it. So I, I get to the field. They're still chatting. They're doing introductory things. And then we start running. And, um, and we had to do five or six loops of the field. And, and I had never had to run that much, you know, um, successively <laughs> um, at, at any point in my life. And so it was really hard. Uh, it was um, very challenging. I came in penalty, I was the penultimate person. And, uh, but I did it. And I was like, wow, like I did that it was really hard. And I did it. That's cool. And then we did some more warming up. And then we had to do a timed mile, like right after that. And so that was another thing. I was like, well, I didn't even know what a mile was. I didn't know what it felt like to run a mile. I didn't know what the distance really meant. You know, I knew it intellectually, but I, I had never had to cover that much on my feet running. And so that was another challenge. But I, again, I did it and I felt good about it, even though it didn't feel good. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, and then we had practice for two and a half hours after all of this warming up and we're running up and down the field. I've got a stick and a ball and a, and a mouth guard and, and everything is new. Like all the people are new. I'm new. Uh, running on grass was new to me because you know, I'm from Brooklyn and there's not a lot, a lot of grass on the sidewalk. <laughs> so, um, so I decided, uh, after that day, after that first day that I would, I wanted to be on the team and I wanted to be a better contributor to the team. So I decided that I needed to learn how to run. And the next morning I got up and ran those same five or six loops of the field that we'd had to do the day before. And that became a routine for me. I became a better athlete. I, I got faster. I wasn't always last or penultimate. Uh, and, and eventually I was able to do the warm up and the time mile without stopping and walking. And so that, that was, that was huge for me. And, um, and I loved it. I loved getting up in the morning. I loved having that be the first thing that I did. And it really set the tone for my day. So that was back in 1989. And that was when like, I, that, that was, that's when I really, really got the, the running bug. And so it sounds like, you know, I, re I read your book, you took advantage of a lot of opportunities, even when they were hard, like, like running, you got yourself up in mm -hmm. the crack dawn and you were a freshman. So you were what, 15? I was a freshman. Yeah. 14, 15 14. years old. Actually, I was 13 when I was a freshman. Wow. You're a young freshman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where does that drive come from, Myrna? Because throughout your whole career I, I, in your book, I can see that like you were from Brooklyn, you, the school you would have mm -hmm. gone to in your neighborhood didn't sound like the best school, but you you, because you read so many books and studied and immersed yourself, you got a lot of opportunities and you took advantage of them. And then you did the extra work, like getting up in the morning. Like, where did this come from? Was it, is it your mom? I, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's probably uh, modeled on my mom because 
she was somebody, she did not have a lot of opportunity growing up. And, um, but when she did have opportunities to do stuff, she did. My mom did not graduate. She did not ever graduate from high school. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, she did not finish the eighth grade. And, but despite that, she became a really good reader. She became a really good writer. She's a great singer. Um, she tried her best in raising our family. Um, and raising like everybody else's kids. (laughs) And uh, she was always a go-getter. Not in the same sense that I'm a go-getter because I do different things, but it is, I mean, it's essentially the same drive and the same motivation. And so I watched her um, in her life with the very limited opportunities that she had. And I run with it because I've been given those opportunities that she didn't have. And and I'm very, very appreciative of that. She seems awesome. I think I read, I'm not going to give away your whole book because I want people to read it, but, (laughs) but does she, does she now go with you to events and camp with you? Or maybe I read that on your blog somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) Um, if I do an event in New York or somewhere up North, cause I'm in Georgia now, um, if I do an event and, um, and there's camping, she loves camping. I introduced her to camping at the Finger Lakes fifties, but she loved the newness of the experience. Um, and so we've done that a couple of times and, and she'll also come up uh, to other races with me and, and just hang out or volunteer or, or just, you know, just be present. And it's, and it's, it's a really, really awesome thing to, to, to be able to experience with my mom. Oh, she sounds like a badass. So I, mm-hmm. I, I want to know, you know, so you got into running as a freshman and you did these mile, mm-hmm. mile was forever. And then you sort of leapt to eventually half marathons, marathons. And now I mean, you're an ultra marathon runner. Talk to me about, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. I want to know how running makes you feel and why you run because people run for a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, I've run for a lot of different reasons, um, but like primarily nowadays, it's just so much a part of my lifestyle that I can't really imagine myself um, not running and not having that be part of my uh, my everyday or I don't do it every day, but my my every other day routine, along with other physical fitness activities that I do um so yeah like and I feel when I don't run I just took a month off by the way and uh it felt really crazy (laughs) um I felt like I didn't have anywhere to 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 be meditative or to just be by myself in my own head and and to be moving my body but I really needed a break from it and so uh I'm I'm back on track now I'm training for Boston Marathon but uh and and now I feel normal again (laughs) good for you no I get it I mean thank you yeah my running is my Prozac or whatever it's like anti-depression medication Uh anti-anxiety and coffee (laughs) all in one that's why I run yeah 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 I, I would say like these in the last year or so, especially when, when I was writing my book, it was definitely an anti-anxiety thing because I did suffer from a lot of anxiety. I had heart palpitations and, and I knew I would get it done, but it was still, you know, there were still all of these sort of outside expectations for me to finish and I had to be accountable to somebody else and I had to get it in at a certain date. So, uh, so running definitely helped me allay some of the the, the anxiety and fear that I had of, of just not doing well and not finishing. I want to talk about that because I'm a writer and <laughs> putting on a <laughs> podcast every, every week sometimes gives me anxiety, um, just what other people are going to think. And, you know, now you're on this, 
really big scale. I mean, you're playing on a lot bigger field than that field hockey field when you're a freshman. <laughs> oh, yeah. Been on NBC, CNN. How do you deal with that, like, pressure besides just running? Like, what's your self-talk? You know, it, what's really incredible is that everything that I'm doing now um, is a result of everything that I've ever done. And mm. I, what I mean by that is, like, say, for example, in high school, I played sports, and I, I really, really got into it, and I really – uh, the amazing thing was I, I never felt like I wasn't part of the team and I never felt like I didn't belong because of my size or because of my race or whatever, because of where I was from. And then I was also in high school, I was also a, I was a budding classical singer. And so I was on stage all the time and it, be, it became normalized for me. I used to be really, really shy and nobody believes this about me, but I was incredibly shy. If you knew, if you knew me, my first year in high school or any, in any other grade, you know, in lower than ninth grade, I was, I was this incredibly shy and timid person. Like I wasn't shy about um, how smart I was because I always knew I was smart and, and I was kind of obnoxious about it, but I was also, but on the social level, I was very shy. But when I got to high school, I became this like person who enjoyed being on the stage and, and it, and it became a very easy thing for me to be on the stage. So now that, I have this huge platform and I've had all of these opportunities to, to be on TV and to be on radio shows and to, to do podcasts and to like have my writing read by millions of people. Um, it's, it's like the perfect confluence of everything that I am about. And so, so I love it. Like, I feel like it's a natural, but uh, a continuation of everything uh, that I, that I stand for, that I do. I love it. I wish I could get you to sing for us. Maybe I won't do that. But maybe, maybe instead, can you, can you take us really into your world of running, like either an excerpt from your book or a recent story of a recent run? I know you took a month off, but maybe just a memorable mm-hmm, run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, I, you know, this morning, <laughs> in fact, uh, it, down in North Georgia today, it is really gray. It is really, you know, for some people it would be depressing. It's not depressing to me. Um, and it's really wet. Uh, um, and so I got up early this morning and, and I heard the rain on the, on the roof. I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> I want to go outside, but I don't want to get wet, which is so dumb. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, so I got dressed and everything because I knew I have to train, right? And, um, and if I don't train, you know, the miles are not going to run themselves. So, you know, I got out there, eventually got out of the car after sitting in the car for five minutes, dreading being out in the rain. But the awesome thing was that as soon as I got outside, it stopped raining for a couple of minutes. And, and it was, the air was perfect. I went down to our, we had this little gravel loop that, uh, that's a little bit less than a mile that I do um, in the dark mornings because it's safe and I know that I know the route and, and so like I went down there and I, I just felt really light and, and free and like in my essence. And, and at one point I forgot that I was running and I was just like listening to music mm. and just like being with myself. There was nobody else out there. And, you know, again, super dark, which, you know, at another time in my life would have like scared the shit out of me. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I was just like, and I was like in my element, I felt like this is where I need to be this moment. And so that's what running does for me. A lot of times, 
you know, after I get over the initial, oh, my, this is sore, and oh, I don't know, I'm tired, I feel like running today, that usually goes away after a couple of miles. And then I feel like I feel like I'm myself and I am who I'm meant to be when I'm doing that. So that was that was my run this morning. That sounds like an amazing run. It was pretty cool. What did you do for your month off? Um, well, I, I was traveling a lot. So uh, so I just decided that if I needed if I wanted to run, I would. And I only got a couple of runs in. But I was super tired, um, you know, driving a lot, flying a lot. It was for my book tour, which was awesome. Um, and uh, But I had also, at the end of November, I did this big 60K, the New York Roadrunners um, 60K. And I knew that I was going to need a break after that. And so it just came naturally. And I did some weightlifting. Uh, I'm re- really, really into uh, weightlifting these days. And I love it. And, um, you know, I did some walking. But yeah, I didn't really feel like myself. <laughs> but I knew that if I, I knew that I really, really, I needed a mental and physical break from writing. And so that, that's what I did. Now, like now I feel like I've got all this energy. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do the Boston Marathon. I'm not really ready, but <laughs> I will be ready. <laughs> but I, and like, I feel like I'm at a point where I could put in a lot of energy and effort to it. No, you sound so ready. I think it's just, it's so great that you respect your body enough to give it that time off because I think a lot of runners really struggle with resting. It's hard. It's really hard mentally. And hopefully your body just wants to be moving, you know? But then when you do that very often, when you don't listen to your your body's rhythms and stuff, you get to a point where you reach burnout. And, and I don't want, I was almost there. I was almost there. And it's like, I don't want to do that because I don't, this incredible momentum I have, I don't want to destroy it. So I knew I'm going to need to pull back a little bit. Well, we'll be cheering you on for Boston. That's so awesome. Have you done Boston before? No, I have not. Um, And I never imagined that I would ever be able to do it, but I got a special opportunity um, to be a part of um, a team. One of the sponsors of the marathon invited me on as to be part of their teacher team. So I'm really excited. I love that doors open for you, but they don't open magically, Myrna. You created all of these doors. I'm going to skip ahead. I I know I sent you some questions I wanted to ask you, but I love that, you know, you even said you don't look like a typical runner, like whatever a typical mm-hmm. runner looks like. And I think it takes a lot of courage to do something people who don't always look like you do. So maybe tell me, we talked a little bit about where that courage comes from, but mm-hmm. one of the things is like, maybe we can talk about that, but also I love that you're a sponsored runner now, which is so badass because, <laughs> you know, back in the day, you could only be a sponsored runner if you were winning races and same with uh-huh. surfing if you were winning contests. But we're in an age where you can be a real human who's impacting change <laughs> and get sponsored because of that. And I love that. Can you talk about just how you embrace opportunities and how you uh-huh. caught the attention of these race directors and brands like Merrill and REI? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what, it's, I'm going to really, like, I am so, um, what is the word I'm looking for? I am still in a state of disbelief, I guess, uh, about all of the incredible things um, that I get to do and all of the really wonderful relationships that I have with different companies. Um, that never in my dreams, I mean, I didn't even have dreams about this because like, because it wasn't possible, right? 
um, to to be able to travel and to, to have the support of, of, of companies like Merrill and REI and Spirit Sports, Swiftwick, I have a, a, a physical therapist in New York, custom performance. And um, I think I said everybody, <laughs> I hope I didn't forget anyone, but it's, it's amazing that, that a person like me in my body um, has been given these opportunities to represent um, these these companies that traditionally had a very specific body type in their coffers, right? So um, it's it feels amazing, um, and I try to represent each company that I work with, um, you know, in the incredible way that they support me. And uh, yeah, it's really cool. Like I am not complaining. <laughs> Um, and, you know, and it's great for representation of different bodies. Like you said, like, I'm not winning anything. In fact, I'm frequently last. But, but if by me being out there and, you know, being a representative of people who traditionally have not been re represented, um, in athletics or in, uh, in the athletic media, I, you know, that's, that is a really awesome thing. And I'm so honored to be able to do that and to be that voice and to be that body. Um, so that people know that, you know, if whoever they are, <laughs> you know, whatever type of body they live in, you know, whether they are able-bodied or are differently abled or whatever, that, that they could be out there enjoying the same kinds of things that everybody else does. Mm. So it's a, it's a really, really neat thing. And I'm, I'm incredibly honored. How do you decide what projects to say yes to? Because I imagine at this point, you're getting a lot of opportunities. Mm -hmm. So there was one point where I said yes to everything. That's <laughs> great. I didn't know. Like, I had no idea. I was like, well, this, you know, when the, when the first article came out in Wall Street Journal. I'm like, oh, this is really cool. Like, wow, you know, people are writing me <laughs> and saying really awesome things. That's really cool. Like, I, I had no idea that it was going to be picked up by other media outlets and that it would turn into the thing it is today. Um, no clue. And so I would, you know, I treated it as, well, you know, this is the last time I'm going to get this kind of type of opportunity. So I'm going to say yes, I'm going to do it. Um, but then it got a little crazy. You know, I had to hire a publicist <laughs> who uh, weeds through everything and, and responds to people. And, and, uh, and, and we, you know, we work together to figure out, you know, what is worth my time? Uh, what's just going to pull out or sap energy from me without really being beneficial to me? Because uh, you do have to think about yourself. Is this, is this going to be a good thing for me? Is this going to be a good thing uh, for other people? Why am I doing this? And so, like, I, I go into things much more knowledgeable, uh, you know, two and a half years, actually three years later with a sense of more of a sense of who I am, what I can do, what I can bring to certain companies or events and what they can bring to my life. Because again, as I said, that is also very important. I love that you ask why, because that's such an important question we all have to ask when we take on these opportunities. Like, why are we doing it? Are we doing it for our ego? Or are mm -hmm. we doing it for, mm -hmm. I think that's great. You know, you've had some naysayers early on in running and it's documented even in that REI video. I just want to know, like, how do you deal with, you know, we all are going to have naysayers in our, in our life when we go after something big. What's your approach to dealing with them? Well, uh, <laughs> sometimes, 
sometimes I respond to them directly if it's um, if it's a matter of my reputation because some people like to spread lies and rumors and uh, and things that are not true about me and so I I typically I will go in whether it's on Facebook an email or something like that I'll respond to them uh, because my reputation is at stake and you know and it's it just it's not cool to spread uh, <laughs> things with uh, malintent, you know. Um, the other thing that I do is I just let the community respond. Like, for example, when I posted the email that that horrible guy sent to me while I was doing the 50K as it was presented in the REI video, um, I posted it on Instagram and the community totally took care of me um, and just spread lots of positivity and encouragement, um, about what I was doing. And I think that just resonated throughout the entire community that, you know, there were more good people in the world than there were trolls, which I think is true. Um, and the other thing, the thing that is most important to me is that I just keep doing what I'm doing. Um, I don't care <laughs> what you think, I should be doing or what you think I should look like, I'm going to continue running um, and you should do the same. You should continue surfing. You should continue swimming, whatever you want to do in your body, because ultimately it's your body and your life, not anybody else's. I love that. I'm going to go surf naked right now. <laughs> okay, there you go. Hey, just... hey. Marna, I appreciate that. You know, I think conversely, you get a lot of people who just love on you especially through your mm -hmm. own blog, Fat Girl Running. I'm curious, mm -hmm. you know, do you have any stories of people whose lives have been totally changed by what you do? Um, I get many messages, many from people who, who have seen a video that I've done or have read a story about me or have read something on my blog and have made the decision that today is their day well, I'm going to go out, I'm going to lace up, and I'm going to go outside, I'm going to run outside, or I'm going to try to walk outside, even though my family has been telling me that I'm too big to move, or my doctor's been telling me that I'm too big to do this, or, you know, that I should just go on a diet. I'm just going to go outside because I've been wanting to go outside for years, and I haven't been able to do it because I haven't felt entitled to. And so by reading your post or watching this video, it just really, it gave me what I needed to, to get my butt outside. And like that... <laughs> Yeah, that kind of message, that is incredible. Um, and I get a lot of messages like that. Like, thank you for giving me the courage to go out and do something for myself, even though everybody tells me I can't do it, even though I tell myself that I can't do it. And so that's why I do. That's why I continue to do what I do, because I mean, I do it for myself. Like I am out there running because it's what I need to do for my body. But if that inspires somebody to change their lives in a significant way, like you don't get that opportunity everywhere. Um, so yeah, I've definitely gotten, you know, most of my messages are like that. Or thank you for like brightening my day. Uh, I love your Instagram because you're always smiling. Uh, I don't always smile <laughs> for Instagram. I do, <laughs> but you know, but if that, you know, if that, if that lifts somebody up, you know, when, when they need it the most, like that's, that is a really, that is a really great privilege. Well, it's powerful. You've just given yeah. permission slips to everybody, basically saying no matter what you think about yourself, you can. 
Mm. That's a gift. Mm. I, I think I love, you also said in this great podcast with Nicole DeBoom, who I guess is one of your sponsors. So cool. Mm. You talk about being authentic. Can you talk about how authenticity has just helped your career and your message and your everyday life? Sure. You know what? And I, and I talk about, when I talk about authenticity, I talk about uh, the privilege of being able mm. to be authentic and live in my own skin and not ever having to be or try to be somebody else because I've always been in situations, whether it's in a, a school situation or a family situation where I, people knew who I was and they never tried to make me into something else or tried to, to force me to be somebody who I was not. Um, and so that, that is part of my DNA. Um, but I know that <laughs> It's not part of everyone else's DNA <laughs> um, because people do get affected by like societal norms and what their family expectations are, what their spousal expectations are. And I think a lot of people get caught up into that without really looking deeply inside of themselves and, and really exploring what, what they need and what they want in life. And so that's, that's something that I do every day. And I, and I'm able just to, to just live in my skin at my job. I'm able to do and be everybody or everyone, every person that doesn't sound right at my job. I'm able to be, I'm able to engage in everything that I love. And so, and, and who I am, like I'm a musician. So I get to participate in, in music. I'm, I'm a writer. I get to do that. I, I love Spanish. I'm teaching Spanish and I love diversity work. And so I do that too. And so I'm able to just be who I, who I love to be and who I am. And not everybody has that opportunity. And so, but I think it's something that you can learn and that you can practice. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's, if you want to run, if you want to, but you don't feel like you're a runner um, because somebody told you that you don't look like a runner or that you're not a runner because you run slow um, or they've never seen you run. So you can't be a runner, but people have actually told me these things. <laughs> um, those are things uh, that we can practice to help us remain authentic to ourselves. So if you want to go out and run, or if you want to be a hiker and that's, that's an identity that you've always wanted to have, you can create that for yourself. Uh, you just have, it, it does take a little bit of confidence and like a swift kick in the ass sometimes <laughs> to get yourself out there to do it. But once you do it and you, and you enjoy that, it, it becomes part of your DNA. Ooh, Myrna, I'm pumped. Um, <laughs> I love talking to you. We could probably talk for hours. <laughs> you know, you talk about authenticity, yeah. <laughs> you talk about leaning in. So part of what you do is, you know, you take risk. And you mm -hmm. put yourself out there and then you do these races that even though I ran in college, I'm terrified to run. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think everybody's terrified of doing certain things in their life. And I'd love for you to read that part uh, in your book okay. where, where you talk about this, Myrna, in your own voice, because mm -hmm. you have a beautiful voice. <laughs> and I know it's on well, Audible, so, but I want to hear it live. <laughs> okay. Lean into the discomfort. To my long-distance runner's ears, this axiom means embrace the suck. A lot of long-distance running sucks, but what sustains runners are those moments of beauty, those instances where you feel weightless and unencumbered. We embrace the suck so that we can fully embrace what doesn't suck, to fully receive it. So... <laughs> I think that 
section of the book really, really encapsulates my attitude towards anything that is not comfortable, anything that is really tough, or anything that I know that's going to be a challenge or an obstacle. I love the process of overcoming something. I love the process of facing my fear or my discomfort, knowing that it's going to suck <laughs> at some point, but that when I, when I come out on the other side, I will be a better person for it. I will have experienced some moments of beauty or some moments of self-awareness and self-reflection. And then you come out on the, on the other side and you're, you're just, you're a better human being for it, I think. And so that's why, that's why I try to make sure that I'm always, or that I, I do this often that I, put myself in situations where it's not going to be easy and where I'm like, well, maybe I feel like a fish out of water. Um, but I know that I'm not a fish out of water and I know that I'll probably, probably survive. <laughs> uh, and I'll come out of it a stronger, better person. Oh, I love that. I love that you purposely enjoy putting yourself in uncomfortable situations so you can overcome it. Yeah, and I think that's, that's most most trail runners and most like people who do outdoor things and, and, and they keep pushing themselves. That's why. Yeah, you learn that through the outdoors. <laughs> I agree. I think that's such Absolutely. a great lesson that you learned that you can't really <laughs> learn it in a classroom per se. I know you're a teacher, yep. so call me out if I'm wrong. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Okay, cool. <laughs> you, I'd love to talk to you about body image. I know you're a big proponent of body positivity, and that's something I've struggled with from having vitiligo on my face to just working around in a bikini. I think a lot of my friends and a lot of people I know struggle with body positivity and having a good, positive body image. Can you talk about just advice on how you approach having a positive body image and sort of your thoughts on that? Sure. You know what? It's, it's, What's interesting about my life um, and the sort of family culture that I come from is that we never had any um, particular body aesthetic. So like I never felt that growing up. I never felt like I needed to change or I needed to alter the way my body looked because of what other people thought. So that's one thing about me like that. And that, that has always stuck with me. Um, and that's how I roll now. And I realize that that's not the experience that everyone else has had. That's not the experience that most people have had. Um, but what I've learned, you know, particularly over the last three or so years is that people hoist their own insecurities um, onto other people. And that might cause them to lash out and be really negative and disparaging about the way other people look. Uh, because that's not what's in their sort of aesthetic view or in their experience as what a body should look like. And I think knowing that and knowing that that's something that I'm going to confront every day uh, because people do have insecurities, that makes it a little bit easier for me to go out and be myself and show my body. Whatever you are, whoever you are, whatever you do, it's really important to know why you do something um, and to be really, really 100% um, knowledgeable about who you are, um, why you exist, and um, the fact that you love 
your body. Um, and that takes practice. So you have to practice saying, I love my body. I love myself. And the more you do that, the more you practice that, um, the, I think the easier it is to go out and show your body and to not have negative body image. Uh, from time to time you will, because people are assholes sometimes. Um, and that is a fact of life. But um, I think the more you know yourself, the, the better you are prepared to go out and show your body to everybody. Yeah, I think that's great. I've, I've actually done that little mantra. I love my body. My body loves me. Even when I'm injured, you know, that's, that's something I use. Thank you, Myrna. I think it's just so great what you're doing for body positivity. And you know, there's some people that, you know, I have a friend who, who she's a bigger girl and she's a little bit afraid to go running. You know, what can I, what advice can I give you know, a friend who has something they're not super stoked about, but they want to run or they want to go surfing or, you know, but they're afraid because of how they look. I think, um, number one, it's important to find a community of people that you know are going to be supportive um, and that you know are not going to judge your body. Um, so, <laughs> uh, because we don't want to like, we don't want to put ourselves in situations where, um, we know that we might be um, secretly or openly judged or disparaged for the way we look. Um, and that's, that's not always easy, but I think looking for a community that's supportive is, is really, really um, tantamount to actually going out and having some really positive body image about whatever activity you're going to engage in. Um, the other thing is that um, I think, and I, the way um, – what I've been seeing in the media is a huge shift yeah, in terms of the body. Yeah. Yeah. The so body aesthetic cool. paradigm is, is changing and becoming more updated to represent bodies of actual people. <laughs> so, you know, whether they are thin, uh, medium sized, tall, short, fat, whatever they are, you can see lots of examples of different types of body in print media, digital media, television. Um, it, it really is all over. I'm, it's not where it should be at this point, but um, but it is growing. So I would definitely look look online um, and see the the plethora of different bodies being being represented um, and, you know, in all places. So like, and that, and use that as inspiration to get out and do what you need to do for yourself. I love that. And I agree. There's been such a change in the media and it's awesome. So media, keep it up. Okay. I think we've come to the quick and dirty round, but before we go to the quick and dirty round, a little sponsor break. This episode was brought to you by REI Co-op a brand that's big on protecting where we play outside. As stewards of the outdoors, REI gives away 70% of all profits back to the outdoors. Since 1976, REI has invested more than $77 million through partner nonprofits to create, improve, and sustain access for all to inspiring outdoor places. They're also incredibly eco-friendly. REI uses 100% renewable energy to operate, and they built the first largest and most sustainable net zero energy and LED platinum distribution center in the country. On top of that, REI has partnered with over 66 brands in the outdoor industry to enhance the sustainability of their products. Their motto, a life outdoors is a life well lived, is something I definitely stand by. You can learn more, take classes, go on experiences, 
Find a store near you and get the gear you want to get outside at REI.com. So we're at the quick and dirty round. Um, quickly, advice to fashion fitness companies. What can they do to make clothes better for all people? You know, it can't be that hard to create more sizing or to have clothes in different sizing because that's really what is at the core right now. Uh, the core, I think of your question and, uh, it cannot be that difficult. What is holding you back? That is my question. Are brands stepping it it up? Do you think? I think they are slowly. I think more slowly than they need to. Um, you know, but I think in, in retail in general, like there's all this focus grouping that you have to do and whatnot. But you know, I think if if, if clothes can come off the runway and then be made the next day, I think it, the same can be done for for having an extensive range of sizes. Awesome. Your funniest sighting you've seen on a trail. <laughs> Um, on a recent, uh, on a recent trail run, there was a kid's plastic knife, like a play, a play sword on lying on top of one of the, um, the rails of a a bridge. It's really weird. That's pretty weird. Any memorable (laughs) or funny or super awkward fan sightings and interactions? Um, I don't know. It's never been awkward. I mean, it's awkward for me because I don't feel like. I deserve fans. <laughs> so when people come up to me in an airport and say, hey, are you Air? It feels really weird to me. <laughs> Girl, you deserve fans. <laughs> How advice for those who want to get into running, but they're scared or they don't think that they can run? Yeah, sure. Um, I would, depending on who you are and whatever your fitness level is, um, some people start out by walking and then adding some running in, you know, like interspersing your walks with a couple of seconds of running. And as soon as you feel comfortable with that, you can, you can lengthen the times that you run and shorten the times that you walk. You can start running right away. I would caution against running out, but going out too fast because that can be discouraging for some people. Um, I would, you know, take time to smell the flowers or the roses or whatever, uh, the tulips, <laughs> And, uh, and just like ease your body into it. If you don't feel comfortable running outside, start running on a treadmill, um, or start running in place, whatever you need, whatever you need to do to, uh, move your body in the way that you want to start slow, uh, be patient with your body and, uh, and then have fun with it. What's your favorite way to move your body besides running? Oh, there's so many different ways. I love yoga. Uh, I love hiking. Uh, and I love swimming. Yeah. <laughs> I love Hello. yoga and swimming as well. And hopefully soon surfing, Myrna. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've got a date. Okay, good. Secrets <laughs> to recovery, like best foods, uh, best tricks, best hacks. Um, you know what? I would say actual recovery is the secret to recovery. It's like actually stop or don't run when you're not supposed to. Like if you're doing a training plan and if you have a day off and have a really hard time with this, don't run. Uh, you can do active recovery. You can, um, you can sit on your couch. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but if you're supposed to be recovering and if you need a recovery day, actually taking it, that is, I think that is the secret to recovery because most people feel like they're not doing enough. And so, or a lot of people, I don't know about most people, but a lot of people feel like they're not doing enough and that they should be always moving to get better. But your body needs the recovery. Your body needs sleep. That's not something I am very good at. Uh, I'm trying to get better. Uh, your body needs some, some time off. So take it. That's great advice. How about secrets for training for an ultra marathon? Like if you're just a 5K runner and you want to go out and run an ultra, where do you start? Uh, you start with a 5K. <laughs> and, and I think a gradual progression is probably the smartest thing to do. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't go into an ultra marathon and eat, or even a half marathon after just doing 5Ks. I would definitely take the time to train Find a coach or find a really a, a, a really good training plan that, that kind of aligns with your lifestyle. Be flexible with yourself and then and then make progress towards your big goal. I wouldn't I wouldn't I definitely wouldn't jump in to an ultra marathon from a 5K uh, unless you are giving yourself months and months to train. What's your morning routine? My morning routine uh, is has recently been changed. Um, I, as of a couple of months ago, I started getting up and making up my bed, uh, yes. which, has, which has definitely changed a lot of what I do. Like I, I look forward to making up my bed, which is really weird, uh, because it gives, gives me a sense of completion of something <laughs> and, uh, and it makes my room look nice. Um, and then after I make my bed, I do a couple of squats and some wall push-ups, which sounds really cheesy, but it really just gets my blood going. And then now I've incorporated, since the new year, I've incorporated five minutes of meditation, um, which I am loving uh, in the morning before I have my coffee. Do you use an app or do you say certain? No, I, you know, no, I just, I've been looking on YouTube actually just for, and I only do five minutes. Yep. So, um, which I'm, I'm hoping to um, lengthen uh, by the time I, I feel like I get good at it. Um, and so like I, just, I go on YouTube and I look, five, look for five minute meditation um, videos and that's what I do. Awesome. Then coffee, two cups of coffee. And then I run. If I'm running that day, if I'm not running that day, I just, you know, I'll just do some organization in my kitchen and stuff. Uh, and then I go to school. <laughs> That's awesome. So many guests on, on the show do five minutes of meditation and make their bed. And I think, yeah, are... it's, it's, I think that's part of the magical morning or is it like the, that new book thing that just came out recently? I don't know that book, but I'm going to check that out. I love that. Yeah. I have to have to check it out myself. Speaking of books, what books do you read and gift most often? Um, I've been reading a lot of nonfiction lately and a lot of it has to do, um, either with running or, or some sort of outdoor stuff or diversity <laughs> because that's, that's part of my job. And so like, I'll, I'll read like some educational books and I'll read, gosh, I'm, I'm reading right now. The woman who grandma Gatewood's walk, uh, the woman who at the age, I think of like in her sixties did the, um, did the AT on her own. Um, so I'm, uh, reading that I love, I love like sort of long, really detail oriented stories about people's journeys. And so those are the kinds of books that, um, that I, that I gift and that I, uh, buy for myself. I love that. <laughs> what, what book on diversity are you, are you reading right now? I, 
I'm actually reading a book called The White Working Class. Nice. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, because because it's, I live in uh, and I live in Appalachia, and yeah, uh, that is the community that I that I am surrounded by and that I work with. Mm. So um, I'm trying to learn as much about uh, the community that I live in as as much as possible. Georgia is so different than Brooklyn. I uh, very. <laughs> I went to school there. I, that's so interesting. Very. You know, everybody, I would say everybody, most people listening to this podcast are listening because they want to do something wildly, either quit their job mm-hmm. or train for an ultra or just rechange their career. Any advice actually f- for others on how to make a living from just doing what they love? Uh, you know, I think not everybody can make a living off of doing what they love because true because the reality is that you know, like especially in adventure and, and and like in the outdoor world it's hard to those things take a lot of time and there's there's not a lot unless you're like a writer for a magazine or if you work for somewhere like aria you know like it's really hard uh to be in a space that's conducive to that so i would say rather than it's definitely a possibility i don't want to kill anybody's dreams right <laughs> definitely a possibility to make to to make a living off of doing what you love but I think incorporating that into your daily life wherever you are and whatever you're doing right now that that is a challenge and it's an awesome challenge because then I think you'll appreciate it more because you know I I what I'm afraid of is is it becoming a job like and becoming something that that becomes a chore or something that you're not looking forward to doing whereas if you were you know at your day job which hopefully you do enjoy (laughs) you have this whole other aspect to your life that you look forward to too and so you have like an incredible balance so that's that's what I would say um and if you do want to go out like maybe you want to be a professional backpacker or whatever uh I think that's awesome I think it's it's really cool to be able to do that. And if you are able to do that, you just have to, you have to commit to it, speak it out to the universe and things will start happening for you. That is so true. And thank you so much for saying that because I think a lot of people just go quit their job and think it's going to happen. And few Mm -hmm. adventurers make a living doing adventures, like very few. And instead Mm -hmm. just incorporating adventure into your everyday life, I think is really good advice. So if you could throw a party, Myrna, we ask all our guests now this question, who's coming? <laughs> where is it? What are we eating? What are we drinking? What music are we listening to? Where are we? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Part of me, okay, well, I'm an introvert, right? Nobody believes that either. Um, but I, I don't like parties. <laughs> but if I had to throw one. <laughs> That's awesome. So it's, it's only yourself. You're going and running. That's okay. It can be whatever party you want. Book. Um, oh man, I, you know, I would have like everybody that I've done that has interviewed me for a podcast because it's such a wide range of people that that's like, and it's so interesting, really, really interesting group of people. It's like you, Rich Roll, Nicole DeBoom. I mean, like there's so many, so many people that are really just like have like added value to my life, you know? Um, I, and I'd have like the crazy mountain runners, like Killian, your name. He'd be up there. He'd be at my party. We'd have a fire going. Um, I'd have Chris McDougal at my party. I love McDougal. Um, I didn't know you were friends you with know, him. He's the best. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a friend. Like, I don't know him, but I want him at my party. <laughs> I emailed him last night for um, questions to ask you. I figured you knew each other. <laughs> you know, and 
it's oh my god, there's so many people, and I'm leaving so many people out. It'd be a really, really so, but like what? Party. What are we eating yeah. and what are we drinking? We are eating food that I have made because I don't like to eat. I mean, I like when I have a dinner party, I like to make the food and I don't like anybody else in my kitchen. Don't bring anything. We are drinking. <laughs> I will make all the food. You may bring drinks. You may bring wine. Do not bring any liquor because I only like wine, uh, red wine preferably. And <laughs> we're at a, a very well-appointed cabin somewhere in the Northeast and maybe in the Adirondacks uh, <laughs> or the White Mountains. There's uh, there's talk going on. There's there's uh, storytelling going on, uh, and people are just having a really good, relaxed, not awkward time. <laughs> That's cool. It's always hard for me not to be awkward, but I'll behave. Thanks for inviting me, by the way. So, Myrna, one of the best things about your book is you you work with teens. The teenagers are so lucky to have you as a teacher at their school. I just remember 15 being kind of a tough year for a lot of people. I was I was 14, 15, freshman, sophomore year. Any advice to your 15-year-old self? You go back and tell her anything, and then just 15-year-olds in general today. Oh, man. Um, shoot, I, you know, the advice that I would give to my 15-year-old self, I would, number one would be run more and not stop at a mile just because I didn't know what running more than a mile felt like. So I just stopped. Uh, and so like just to kind of just go out of your comfort zone willingly and not having to have somebody sort of push you into that. Uh, and, and being, I would say, yeah, being comfortable with not being comfortable. Uh, you know, I, you know, I definitely did that, but I, I wish I'd done that more. I wish I had tried even more things. Uh, and just because the world is your oyster when you're 15. And, and a lot of kids don't know that. It's your world. And it's, and it's yours for the learning. The experiences are yours for the taking. I love that. Myrna, where can we find mm-hmm. more of you? We can all buy your book, A Beautiful Work in Progress by Myrna Valerio. Woo-hoo. Everywhere pretty much right now it's available. Uh, yes. And uh-huh. your blog? Uh, I have a blog called Fat Girl Running. And it's fatgirlrunning-fat runner.blogspot.com and I actually don't write in, in a whole lot because I've, I have all these other platforms that I can write on um, but uh, I will definitely have a link up there um, I, I'm on Instagram and Twitter um, and Snapchat as The Mernovator so you can look me up on, on all three of those How did you get the name The Mernovator? My, one of my colleagues from another school uh, who happens to be a really really good friend uh, started calling me the motivator when I started marathon training. Love it. I love it. <laughs> Myrna, you are a force of nature, a total renaissance woman. You sing, you run, you teach, you speak Spanish, you kind of do it all. <laughs> oh, I think that's a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm, I'm so stoked to share this with everyone. Well, thank you for having me. Myrna, thank you so much for inviting me to your party and for being authentically you. This girl is so smart and such a hard worker. She definitely makes me want to go for a run and read books and just get out amongst it. So Myrna, thank you. I will not be jumping straight into an ultra marathon. I'm going to train. I'm going to try not to get injured. I'm going to rest. For those of you who like this episode, get her book. It's called A Beautiful Work in Progress. 
I read it in four days. It's definitely a page turner. We'll have links on how to find Myrna, read what she's up to, and more in the show notes. Just go to wildideasworthliving.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you guys for going out and doing your own wild ideas. I'm starting to hear from more of you, and I love what I'm hearing. So thank you, and thank you also for your reviews on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, even Spotify. We're on Spotify now. These reviews really help the show grow. And thank you to REI. You guys are amazing. So you know what time it is now. It's time to get out there and get outside. Even if you're driving and it's snowing and it's cold or you're in San Diego and the surf is firing, but you have to be at work. Remember, the best adventures often happen when you follow your wildest ideas. We'll see you next week. We have some great shows coming up. 